0: Welcome to "Say That" the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host. I'm still in the city of Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and geographically closest to me. That means first man introduced is Lee Younger, one Ye- of the pastors at Crest Community Church.
1: Yes, I'm st- I'm the first
0: person introduced again. And Woo! now to attempt to sow dissension among the ranks, I'll change it up. Also joining us is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA.
2: Whatever. How's it feel to be in the middle, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs>
0: He didn't like being
2: last. He certainly didn't like being second to last.
0: <laughs> Finally, joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm
2: glad to be here, and I'm enjoying some flaming hot Cheetos, which is a taste sensation we can all enjoy. No, well, not all I, of us, because you're the only one who yeah, has I one. I think it's just you, Jed. I think you guys should enjoy my enjoyment, or else you're. It's selfish. an auditory.
0: It's an auditory experience for us all to enjoy as you crunch into the microphone. Wait for
2: it. Wow! Yeah,
0: wow. that's the kind of stuff that fueled a hundred episodes of goodness.
3: <laughs> you're not getting that on those teams' podcasts.
0: Though, if you had mega church style budget, just once, one time a year, wouldn't you just have a guy come on stage and eat Cheetos? just is like a modern art installation while you're preaching and never mention it. Dude, if it. I had
2: a mega church sized budget, the amount of crap I would do would be epic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other the other thing is
1: that if Joel Osteen ever did stoop the level of eating Flaming Hot Cheetos on the mic, those teeth could probably make some incredible sounds with the Flaming Hot
2: Dude, Cheetos. Dude, no doubt, man. That'd be amazing. There's That would be a mighty crunch. They're, they
3: glow uh, bright white with the glow of the anointing. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I don't want anyone to think that we are, are mocking Pastor no. Osteen's physical appearance. We would never do that. We're in awe of yeah. both the condition... And whiteness of his teeth.
2: Hey, I, I got hey, junk teeth,
3: dude. That, hey, I, I'd kill for that guy's teeth. You know what? If you were a little holier, Jed. Yeah.
2: There was less unconfessed sin in teeth. your life. Have better
3: teeth. The, Wait,
1: are you saying that you actually will kill for
3: those oh yeah, teeth? Dude. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's uh, it's right after the holidays, Jed. Uh, it doesn't take much to put Jed over
1: that edge at this point. Jed, Jed's homicide. Still got to refill well into February. Jed's homicidal tendencies can be set off at the slightest things. And based on I that will say, I
3: declare
2: emergency. Emergency.
3: Lynn's <laughs> got an emergency. It's an emergency.
2: Tell us more about
3: <laughs> Here's what happened is uh we're uh we celebrated last episode one hundred episodes oh, yeah. boom. of this boom. of this podcast. And now what we're on the second hundred that we just started. And a lot of people, when we started the podcast, the, the, you know, they – nobody wanted us to do 100. So, no, we, we were – But we did it anyway. A
0: lot of people were drawing that line at about four. Right.
3: So we were like yeah, – people were like, whoa, okay. But then this is what got me thinking because first 100, we rocked that. I Say mean, it. we just – We did that. We We have literally – some fans based on <laughs> on that first yeah we have
0: we definitely have fans plural that much we know yeah
3: well the and and we can tell the ones that really like us cuz they leave a review on the iTunes
2: hey hey right. guys couldn't couldn't help but notice you there listening to the podcast and not leaving a review yeah it's just Probably listening to the podcast on iTunes. It's a happy little have that coincidence open. there on your internet connected device that you're on right now yeah. that you could be using to leave a review, but you're not, and that's cool. That's yeah. cool. we don't mind. We don't. It's okay. I,
3: it's it's, it's no problem. I don't, we don't. I don't care about we it. It's don't no feel problem. bad. It's okay.
2: I'm just saying. Glad to see that there are
0: some
3: things that will definitely carry over into the next hundred episodes. <laughs> but here's the emergency. Okay, I'm thinking, uh, for the next hundred, we got to shake it up, y'all. Okay. We can't just. So you're saying we did
0: something that succeeded wildly right. for a hundred episodes in right. a row, so we should chuck that and do new Absolutely.
3: things. Absolutely. Uh, we gotta, we gotta do, we gotta break whole new ground. Okay. Uh, and and I'm just gonna throw this out. I'm gonna send it around, but I think, uh, one thing we gotta really look at is more danger. Oh, I like more danger. It has to be more dangerous. Yeah. So, um, and I'm just if I'm gonna send more danger for us or the listeners for us. And i okay. was just gonna put that out there. If y'all don't like it, send it right back. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking. Why
0: don't you kick us off with the level of danger you're looking for, and maybe we can help with ideas. I'm saying
3: live snakes loose in <laughs> the studio. Yeah. Okay. okay. You're getting... Well,
0: the studio is your house, so that would require a certain level of commitment from you.
3: Um. Okay, uh, so let's cancel the snakes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to work for me. But uh, but you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I like it. Okay, sure. well let, let me just float something okay. out here. What about like, we get
1: wireless mics. Right. We're on the like the rooftop skyline uh-huh. of of you know the giant city of Chicago, and we're doing like. Giving the wisdom while doing a parkour-style free-running yes. of the
3: skyline. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's it right there.
3: Kind man.
1: of a James Bond, Skyfall, diving,
0: rolling, Bourne Ultimatum situation. Absolutely. Yeah. I think
3: parkour has the, been the main thing missing totally. from this podcast. <laughs>
0: well, you do uh, think that about most things. Yeah. Glenn walks out of most movies. It's not that I didn't like the
1: sound of music. It's just where's the parkour? Right. <laughs> Cause I'd make it better. Totally. Am I wrong? Okay. No. If if sure. they were if they were singing uh, Edelweiss while free running, okay, that would be pretty. Okay. Cool. I watched that movie.
0: I mean, you're already dancing. The line between dancing and parkour is very thin. Okay.
3: And who else? Name another Christian podcast that's parkour. That's true. You can't. So that's <laughs> groundbreaking in parkour. Yeah. Uh. So you know, I think we have to we have to shake it up. We gotta we gotta. Everything's got to be new, okay? okay. Here, uh, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna deliver all my wisdom through a puppet.
2: Oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it.
3: Now I'll be working hey. the mouth of the puppet, and but it, <laughs> you, you won't be able to tell at home, right? But, you know, it would be like Mr. Peepers is going to be saying the wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> and a-
0: well, you listeners at home can't see this, but Glenn is actually holding up his hand, holding up his arm and waving his hand I as if he was true. working above it and right this now. this is the thing.
3: Every now and then I'll say,
2: Mr. Peepers, that's inappropriate. So <laughs> yeah. See how yeah, that goes. <laughs> now, will Mr. Peepers have kind of his own voice that he's using? Well, absolutely. Can, can we get a taste of the Mr. Peepers? Hello, boys and girls. I kind of and and this is what
3: happens that was very Mr. Bill right there by Uh, the way and and Mr. Peepers is bound to get lots of hate mail okay fine
0: sure direct all your complaints (laughs) to Mr. Peepers at missionusa.com exactly (laughs) right
3: that's not coming to me see I'm scot-free because I'm against it I say Mr. Peepers that's not don't say that you know what I'm saying right right
2: so that's (laughs) like
3: uh, there's a big change we could have right there I like that I like that
2: but I just want to you know just to to build on that yeah because I I feel like, you know, sometimes we could be a little bit more scholarly. So what if it was Professor Peepers? Nice. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Dr. Peepers. Dr. Peepers. Yeah. Probably. Where are
0: we going to find tiny puppet-sized leather patches for his blazer?
3: (laughs) I mean, I think there's almost no chance that we would be sued by calling him Dr. Peepers. (laughs) (laughs) Every now and then. Well, especially what? Yeah. Every now and then he drinks a a diet drink called diet dr we have to ditch this
0: well we're gonna have to ditch that whole aren't you a peeper too yeah. marketing campaign for a number of reasons yeah. <laughs> that that really should not have gotten out of ad development our marketing people listen he we may need to change them for the next listen, hundred he
3: didn't go through six years of graduate schools <laughs> to not be called dr peepers okay exactly right. he didn't ask for this controversy no
0: yeah. He's not like that layabout puppet, Mr. Pibbers. <laughs> right. That guy didn't get a degree.
3: He didn't. He, he didn't. Mm. Freeloader. <laughs> so that's, I think we got to We gotta do everything different. Totally. Because here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to crush the competition. We are. In, 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 a, in, Jesus, in name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to do it in a real Christian way. Right. But, because uh, we're trying to rise up the the podcast ranking. Right. Because they got rank. You go on They're iTunes, really- they have a... A ranking who's got the best podcast right and here's the thing is we're ranked number zero yeah right now (laughs) because so that's where we're trying to move up from zero we're ranked inconclusive (laughs) yeah so we're trying to uh use now you could say maybe you'd be happy with you know number a hundred or something all right you you know what you would be wrong that That would be incorrect. Right.
0: That's loser talk. Right.
3: That's loser talk. We're trying to crush all the competition. Right. In a Christian way. We don't wish them ill. They could be number 100. Sure. We could be number one. Right. Why can't you be happy with that? Other podcasts. Yeah. You
0: know what I mean? Sure. Well, let me me throw this out here, Glenn, because early on in the Say That First 100 experiment, we... uh. We obviously, we, we were attacked by Joel Osteen, well, is what happened. Right, so yeah. we, we had to counter in kind. But there was a time when a, a gentleman from the uh, the Pacific Northwest stepped up, a hoodie-clad gentleman yeah. who was high in the podcast range as well. Here's what I'm saying is we were trying to fight that war on two fronts. Sure, sure, sure. Here I'm saying, you got to outthink them. So let's say maybe a certain megachurch pastor podcaster's hoodie closet all of a sudden is ravaged by some very immaculate bite marks.
3: <laughs> okay. You're, you're
0: Just $120 hoodies just ripped to shreds by the very powerful teeth of a Southern gentleman.
3: You're trying to... S- I'm saying we pit them against each other. You're trying to say uh, Driscoll versus Osteen
2: in the octagon in, in the day. octagon yeah. i'm saying i'm saying why
0: are we trying to take them both out let's just turn them on each other Right. no less work for
3: us that's genius right yeah there. that's what also i think we ought to we ought to shake it up because here's the thing right now matt's the host sure you know what i'm saying on that i didn't vote for him
2: sure yeah. it's a really good point there See what i'm
3: saying yeah you just assume control yeah that's true so glenn
0: would you like to be the one who schedules record times collects questions prints them out uh edits and uploads the show well
3: uh no but would you like the title of host (laughs) that's what i'd like host glenn (laughs) see willing to compromise on that what i'd like i'm a visionary host
0: emeritus how does that grab you (laughs) i
3: I, i'd like to just be the figurehead you know what i mean host esquire. sure you'd like to be the monarch of the podcast uh, thank you that's really what i'm trying to say I would. You'd like to be the Duke of
0: podcast.
3: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think we'd all be comfortable with that. I think that's sort of the natural uh, evolution of things. Because uh, I, I think, sure. uh, you know, there's a chance that Matt might start to get, you know, power mad. Sure. He might just go, it, it'll go to his head. That's in his nature. That does sound like me. <laughs> Absolute power corrupts absolutely. I've heard that. And absolute? (laughs) Did you make that up? Absolute podcast power. Copyright
0: Uncle Glenn, twenty fourteen. Absolute
3: podcast power corrupts podcastly. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's just that's just basic philosophy, Jed. Dude, that's That's a philosophy fact. That's a philosophy fact. Yeah, can't argue with philosophy fact. Yeah. Okay. So I think let's all go home and pray about these innovations, snake pit. (laughs) sure uh you know turning other people against each other yeah parkour parkour yeah mr peepers podcast coup and just see what see yeah it's just uh revolution sure and just see <laughs> now, what happened now you
0: want to be the figurehead does that mean mr peepers would be the real power <laughs> well
3: uh mr peepers uh i have the power you see mr peepers just he keeps saying inappropriate things, and I have to, I have okay. to step in and and censure him. Sure. And okay. And say, look, you know, we don't agree with what Mr. Peeper says. He's your Joe Biden. Exactly. <laughs> so, on that basis, before we get in trouble, I declare emergency off. Oh, wow. Just in Good the nick man. of time. <laughs> yes, that's right.
0: Well, we almost got in a whole new kind of trouble there. We're going to find whole new groups of people to offend over these next 100 episodes. That's right. Strap in. All right. Take a quick moment to remind you that you'd still be able to get a free month of Bridgebox. Yes. Go to missionusa.com slash say that 100. That's say that, and then the number's 100. You'll get a, a link to a free copy of our August 2012 August 2013, pardon me, Bridgebox. The, t- the uh, topic being, what do I do when I look in the mirror and don't like what I see? You'll get songs from Jed, songs from Glenn, a sermon from Lee, a sermon from myself, a sermon from Glenn. Uh, videos, Bible studies, devotionals, lots of cool stuff that is absolutely free you can download everything on there that is yours to keep no digital rights on it you can share it all you want if you're already a bridgebox subscriber congratulations on being early to the party you've already got all that stuff it lives in your ipod right now and if you try that out and like it and want to sign up to get stuff in your inbox every month for eight dollars all of which goes to support the ministry we do in chicago missionusa.com slash bridgebox Whoa. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I will give you some ways to get in touch with us. This came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, in times of trial, are we allowed the freedom to doubt God, to blame him, to run to him and cry and whine? For some reason, I always thought this because it just seemed that God is big enough for it. But when I look at scripture, God berates Job for his insolence, scolds his disciples for lacking faith, and so on. Never do I see people blaming or doubting God, and God just ta- going to them and saying, oh, it's okay, I get it. So why do I feel that way about God? What does God really like, and what does he really want from us in these times? Glenn, can you kick us off?
3: Yeah, well, and I, I like the question. I think it's a, a really good one, in fact. And, and I think you're absolutely on the right track, that it, it makes sense that God would prefer us to be honest with him because he already knows what our attitude is. He's, he's aware that we have doubts. So if we can discuss that openly, then we might have a way of working through that. What we're really talking about here is having sort of this weird attitude of we've got to pretend to God that we have the exact right attitude because he would be offended by the attitude he already knows that we have. Or something i don't know uh but you're right uh, uh god's big enough to handle our doubts he's big enough to uh, uh be able to 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 face the fact that we have uh concerns and and uh, uh, uh struggles with what he says in his word uh but i think it, what you're pointing out is that God wants to be a little bit honest back with us. That um, and, I, and I think that's a good thing. I, I love the interaction between God and Job. Uh, I think it's great that Job can go to God and say, this this is terrible. This makes no sense to me. I don't like it. Uh, I'm now going to gripe and vent and whatever. And God comes to him and is very direct and is very bold and very assertive with it. Uh. But I think if you're Job, you're hearing that as um, it's sort of a good clarification. You know, I mean, I think what Job hears, I mean, God comes to Job and says, well, all right, uh, brace yourself. I'm going to answer you. And then tells him what the deal is. I have no doubt that Job's response, you know, on sort of a heart level was, oh, oh, wow. Oh, yes. Okay. That's, you know, where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations to the earth and what the heck do you know about stuff? Oh well, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you tell me that, that's I I can get behind that. Point. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I think it's great to have the, a relationship with God where you can be honest with Him and He can be a little honest right on back and be right. be t- sort of a transparent. I think that's fantastic. That's uh, is there a rebuke in there? Well, yeah, but it's kind of it's just more real, and I think that's where we're headed for here. That's that's the. That's the ideal thing. Uh, I think the, the more real the communication is, the better it is. Uh, what we're really talking about here in a funny kind of way is going towards a more goosey and a more uh, lively relationship with God. Uh, I think maybe we think God would rather have sort of a formal, detached, uh, almost ceremonial type of relationship where we're uh, acting in a behaved put upon kind of way that may not be at all honest, but it's appropriate Uh, as opposed to having a relationship where you can say, you know, Hey, this doesn't make any sense. And I don't like it. And, and, uh, and where God can come back and say, well, you don't know everything, do you? And you say, well, that's true. I can do things you don't know about. (laughs) Yeah, that's true too. Well then maybe calm yourself down. Okay. That yes. That I, I think that's a great way to have a relationship with God. I think if you get to that place, call that good. You know, is God sort of chastising that? Yeah, I think it would be kind of more of a corrective kind of thing. But correction is good. That's we want that. Uh, so I like this. Uh, and 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 you know, uh, Jesus's uh, relationship with his disciples involves that. I mean, they say wrong stuff, just dumb stuff to Jesus throughout. You know who's going to sit at your right hand and who is what are we going to do about this and how are we going to handle that and and jesus is kind of goosey back with them uh, i think we picture the relationship with god to be kind of um again sort of religious and and formal and whatever not having that liveliness real quick last point jesus tells a story to illustrate this point uh and and, and draw the bottom line on it absolutely uh, it's in Matthew 21, right in the middle of that chapter. It's a parable of the two sons and it's a simple, it's one of the mm-hmm. least quoted parables that he told. I, it's my favorite.
2: I wonder why that might be.
3: Yeah. Here's why Bible hipster. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing is Jesus tells the story. He says, there's a, 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 two sons The first son. Uh, you know, he, uh, the father says, I want you to go and do this thing. The son sets out, says, yes, father, and he sets out to do it, then he doesn't do it. He changes his mind as he goes out. He he gives the right response. He mouths the right words to the father, but he goes out and doesn't do it. The second son, the father says, I want you to go and do this thing. The second son says, I don't like that idea. I don't want to do it. That's ridiculous. And he goes out, but he, he thinks better. But he thinks, oh, you know, my dad's always looked out for me. You know, It's the least I can do. Let me go and do that thing jesus said so if, if you understand the story jesus is saying one has a, a a funky attitude but does it the other one has a lovely attitude and doesn't do anything yep. and then jesus says of the two which uh which one obeyed the father which one did the will of the father and he said well it's the second one the second one's only only one that did anything so jesus says okay there you go in other words, what Jesus is pointing out is the bottom line is how it, it's it's that we get there, not how we get there. It may it may look right. ugly as you get there. It may be sort of honest and messy and whatever. But the second one got it done, and that that's the real bottom line thing that we're looking at here. So I I think that sort of gives us a a, a biblical base, and I'll let these guys unpack the rest. Totally, Lee.
1: Um, yeah, I, I I love all the stuff that Glenn said on that. I mean, uh, you know, just rewind it and listen to it again. I love how you start this off by saying, "In times of trial," and then you ask, "Are we allowed the freedom to doubt God?" Absolutely. Um, one of the one of the biggest reasons that we that we know that this is true is that He has devoted so much of His holy Scriptures to people doing exactly that. I mean there are so many places for instance in the in the book of Psalms and this was the this was the songbook of God's people and there are so many times in the Psalms where people just tee off on God. I mean there's a I'll just show you a real quick from Psalm 44. This dude starts going off on God and he's saying, you know, He's, he's saying all these bad things have happened to me. My disgrace is before me all day long. My face is covered with shame. And then he says in verse 17 of Psalm 44, all this happened to us, though we didn't forget you and our hearts didn't turn back and we didn't stray from your path, but you crushed us. And then he goes on to say, look, if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, we would, you know, and you discovered it, then we would have deserved it. He said, but we face death all day long for your sake and we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And then he goes on to, and this is the way he talks to God. Okay. And God has made sure that this right here is enshrined in his Holy word forever and ever. Amen. This is what this dude says to God. Wake up Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Why do you hide your face and forget my misery and oppression? get up and help us. That's incredible that God is saying, I want to make sure that this stays in my scriptures, that you know that my kids are allowed to come up into my face and saying, and say, I am upset and I didn't do anything to deserve this. And you need to get up out of your bed, wake up and deal with this. I mean, obviously, Obviously, this is not, I mean, you know, this person makes this case and God's going to deal with it and all that kind of stuff. One really cool thing about most of these psalms is that when this person vents it out, says all the things that they need to say, they make a turn. And then at the end of the psalm, they wind up praising the Lord. Now here's why that's so important. A huge part of getting into a trial. That's why that's why I love how you start this out with in times of trial. A huge thing that happens when you're in the middle when you're in the middle of a trial is that you just need to express the, the feelings that you have. You just need to get it out. You just need to say the thing. And sometimes just venting those feelings, saying exactly what you need to say, saying to God, I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't want it. And you need to get down here and help me. Sometimes just going through that process actually makes you feel better. It actually makes you feel differently about the whole thing. And then once you've kind of gotten those emotions out, then you can calm down and deal with what's left over, the truth of what's left over, what needs to be looked at, what the Lord might have for you on that. And I think it's so cool that so many times in the scriptures, we see people just pouring out their heart exactly like it is to God, and he lets it happen. He lets those people express it. And nine times out of 10, they come back praising him after they've gotten it out. Out of their system.
2: Amen. Absolutely. Jed? Well, we really appreciate your question, and I'm sorry that you're going through a hard time. Um, I suspect that you're you're asking some of these questions because you're trying to figure out what to do with your own struggle. And just to reiterate what you've already heard, um, the answer is to go to God and be honest. Um, the Bible says uh, multiple times, Old and New Testament, both to cast your cares on the Lord um, because He cares for you and He'll strengthen you. And um, The book of Hebrews says that um, we have a a great high priest who is tested in every way as we are but was without sin. And because of that, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence um, and find mercy and grace to help us in our hour of need. Um, God wants you to come before him and be honest. Um, When Jesus said that the Father is seeking worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth— uh, that's what he's talking about, is people who will come to God and be their real, honest, messy selves. That's that's what he wants uh, for you. That's what he wants from you. And he can work with that. I think um, if you can dig it, uh, I think one of the, the things that's a mistake that a lot of us make when we read the Bible is um, we read it as though it were a children's book, and it's not a children's book. Um, this this is a, a grown-up book uh, with grown-up people and grown-up interactions, and there's a lot going on there. And I think it's it's generally a, it's a mistake to kind of go with our gut on what we think it might mean. Um, we really want to give some thought and some time and some study and some consideration to, to what's being said there. I think part of what you're seeing... <sighs> when you read, you talk about Jesus talking with his disciples or, or God talking with Job, is part of what you're seeing there is some relational history. Um, uh, so for example, Jesus with the disciples, there there are moments where Jesus absolutely calls out his disciples. In right. the message translation, there's a moment in, in Mark where Jesus says, are you being willfully stupid? Um, but here's the thing about that is if you take that just that verse on its own you know there's a point where jesus you know it sounded like he's telling his disciples they were stupid well then yeah that might sound a little bit like he's being a jerk but if you pull the camera back and say what's the broader context what's going on here that might give us a a bit more of an insight but again it requires us to look at the bible as an adult story about adult people instead of a children's book so for example jesus with his disciples um these guys were on the wrong end of everything constantly Right. Um these guys could not do anything right even by accident. Um and they had problems believing Jesus after watching him raise people from the dead, right. Um uh g- command storms to stop, right. uh you know, heal people of leprosy, um uh, just magically multiply multiply bread, um you know, to feed thousands of people. They they had seen all of this happen and they still said I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. Right. It's, it, this, this is a tough jam that we're in. Right. Um, and there's a moment, actually, I think it's when Jesus is talking to Thomas after his resurrection where he says, um, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Um, what Jesus is saying there is... <clears throat> It's hard enough to see miraculous things um, and believe, and it is hard. Uh, the, The nation of Israel was led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night by God through the wilderness for 40 years. They still screwed everything up. They still had a problem believing God. So Jesus is saying, I recognize how hard it is to believe even when you can see something miraculous happening right in front of you. Um, And it's so much harder and you need so much more grace and help from God to believe when you don't see all those miraculous things happening. And uh, he's talking about you when he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You probably haven't seen Jesus physically in the flesh perform a miracle. I'd be a little surprised if you had. But you are believing anyway, and you're doing that because God's giving you the faith to believe. But Jesus is honored by that, and, and he, um, is go- he respects that belief. He's going to do something with it. Here's the thing with, with Job is um, uh, I think – you know what I'd really encourage you to do is I'd encourage you to read that whole book again. Um, and and then I'd encourage you to read it a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time. I think any time we're tempted to look at the book of Job and say, oh, I've got that whole thing figured out. I know what it's about. I think that's a mistake. Um, Scholars tell us that's actually the oldest book in the Bible. um, uh, That Just... Historically, that's the, the first one uh, that was written, and that is probably because we have been trying to wrestle with these questions of pain and suffering and where is God in the midst of that um, for as long as there have been human beings. But these two things um, I, I do want to point out to you because um, I think they're, they're super, super important. Um, when we go to the very last chapter of Job um, I'm going to read you this is Job chapter 42 I'm reading out of the NIV Um, here is uh, Job's response God has shown up okay so for those of you maybe haven't read the book of Job before Job is a good dude who goes through a bunch of awful stuff Uh, most of the people he loves dies Uh, he loses all of his money in his house he he gets sick everything goes wrong with him and his question throughout is where is God God what are you doing I'm trying I love I'm trying to be cool. What's the deal? Why won't you? You know, why won't you just help me out? What? What the heck are you doing? You know, what's your deal? And he has some well-meaning religious friends who show up and give him a bunch of really bad advice about probably you have secret sin in your life, and that's why this is all <laughs> happening. And that's not a joke. That's that's what they said. Um, and then at the end of the book, God shows up. God appears before Job and says, "You wanted to have a conversation." We'll have a conversation. And a big part of what God says is, dude, you're a man and I'm God. Um, there's a lot of stuff you don't get. There's a lot of all stuff right. going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of stuff you're not aware of. I'm God. That With the job description goes the doing things you're not going to understand part. Right. But here's Job's response to that. I think this is so important. <clears throat> then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, and Job is saying that God had just finished asking him, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely, this is Job speaking, surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak, and I will question you, and you will answer me. My my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. There's a lot of old language there, but here's what Job is saying is, you know what? I didn't know what I was talking about. Right. I'm I'm just a dude. Yeah. I'm just I'm just a guy. Um, you know, you're God. I get that you're powerful. And you know what? If you're powerful and in charge, then I'm okay. Right. And that's it. Here's the thing on that. What Job could not possibly have known is that his story was going to be told as a part of an oral tradition for thousands of years and then written down in sacred text for thousands of years. And then there would be this thing called a printing press that would be invented so that that story could be told everywhere all over the earth. And then there would be this invention called the Internet so that we could have a podcast like this and we could talk about it. And you could wonder how God feels about you in the midst of your struggle. Job could not have imagined any of that. And when God came to Job and said, dude, do you have any idea what you're talking about? Do do you really know what I'm up to here? You think you do, but do you? Job, God had you in mind in the moment where he was telling Job, why don't you cool your jets, bro? I know what I'm doing here. God knew that you would be wondering, how does God feel about me in the midst of my suffering? Does God get it? That's part of why Job went through what he went through, was so that you could know that God was with you in the midst of that. One more thing, and then I'm done. God tells Job, same chapter, you know what? These friends of yours, uh, they haven't spoken correctly of me as you have. right. And they were being all religious-y and all that. They were being all religious and all holy. Think about that for a second. God did come to Job and say, who do you think you are, dude? Right, right. You, you want to be a big man? Let's talk, big man. Right. right you know, gird right, your right, loins. Let's right. do this thing. Yeah. But at the end, he said, but you talked right about me. These other right. people didn't talk right about me. Therefore, you're cool with me and they're not. Right, right. Just like Glenn was saying at the beginning, God has emotions here. Right. God right. has feelings on this issue, and that's because it's an adult relationship. This is not a right. children's book. Right. But God was not pissed with Job. God right. got where Job was coming from, and he didn't feel disrespected by Job either. That's why right. he said, right. Job has spoken rightly of me. Right. I think that's an absolutely great
0: point. I would tack on to that if you read to the very end of Job chapter 42, which is the last book of the, uh, the last chapter of the book of Job, Job 42, 12, the story ends, the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Yeah. It's easy to, uh, cherry pick these things, but you got to look in context. And, uh, the story you're talking about, Jesus calling the storms in Matthew eight. And he does, he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. Right. The men were amazed. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. So I think, as these guys have all said, you're on a very sharp point that you can absolutely go to God with whatever emotion you have, but you can't expect God to just validate that emotion. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You are opening a conversation toward, with God, and here's the thing about conversations with God, they always end on God's purposes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you can cut in the middle of that and run away. Uh, that's not the way you want to go. So go with any emotion, but don't expect God to pat you on the head and go, you know, you're probably right. I should probably do things your way. <laughs> right. he He's God. Listen got to him. It. All right. We're going to move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, another sex-slash-relationship question. After all this time as a virgin, what if I get married and am really bad at having sex? Mm. I e it hurts too much, or it's different than what we expected, or something like that. And my husband is disappointed, and our marriage starts off on the wrong foot. Then what happens? Lee, can you start us off?
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, thanks. For, thanks for your question, and uh, thanks for you know uh, asking a question that a lot of people are probably thinking about, and a lot of yes. people don't have the guts to ask. Let, let's let's say two put two things out there real quick. Number one, uh, you're probably going to be bad at having sex. At when you start out, when you first get married, two, the husband is not going to be disappointed with it. Okay, yeah. so let's let's. Uh, it's it was an old line about pizza, even when it's bad, still pizza. Yeah. yeah, So, So uh, here's the thing on this. I, I, I would tell a real quick story. So um, Christy and I have been married for a few years, and and there was a, a we had another friend who was about to get married. And uh, a a dude and I went up to this guy and we said, hey, look, you're about to get married pretty soon. Uh, Me and this other guy, we've been married for a little while. Look, if you have any questions, you want to talk about the sex stuff, you just let us know whatever. If you want to talk about some stuff, we'll talk about it. We'll help you out. And he goes, why would I need to talk about anything? We were like, well, uh, because you don't know anything (laughs) and you don't know what you're doing. And we'd like to just help you out with some stuff that we've learned in our years of being married. And we're just trying to be cool, man. We're trying to be your friend here. And he said, uh, he was like, what are you talking about? We were like, well, let let me be Frank. You are going to suck at this. You are not going to know what you're doing. You're you you are, you are totally in the dark. And this guy goes, and I quote, I am not making this up. This guy goes, No, I have remained a virgin my whole life. God owes me this. I am going uh, to be the man. No. I am going to be the man.
3: No. <laughs> so uh so <laughs> my friend. Can and we just I stop right now at- and pray for this <laughs> man's wife? <laughs> Just pray for her. There's, Bless her heart. There's
0: several years down the line with uh, beautiful children. He has since um, screwed his head on back on his yeah, shoulders. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, if he if he heard me telling after this, quite a rude awakening, one would imagine. Yeah, if he
1: turned me t- if he heard me telling this story now, he would come back and apologize and say I should have listened to you. So here's the thing. Um, look. <laughs> I mean, sex—it's—it's like it, this is like anything else that's—that's that's, you know complicated, takes a while to learn. You know, like you—you you would not expect to go into a, a, a gymnastics place and jump on a high beam and just be the bomb at that. You would have to go through training. You'd have to learn. You know, all this kind of stuff. Sex is is something that is beautiful, it's amazing, God created this as a gift for you and your spouse. As Glenn has said before, for two people that are in this committed married relationship to spoil each other with pleasure, and I love that phrase, that's why I just stole it from mm. him, but it takes, it takes a lot of communication, it takes honesty, it takes learning, you know, you try this, person doesn't like it, try that, you talk about it, you talk about your turn-ons, turn-offs, you talk about, you know, when this happens this really that that just sends my mind completely off of the the rails so we need to we need to you know make sure that that's taken care of we need to make sure you know the the you know doors are taken care of that kind of if you got little kids doors are locked that need to be locked etc or cowbells around the children's (laughs) neck. whatever works for you Matt King does not have children. And so we're going to, we're going to ignore that whole thing about treating them like cattle.
0: I'm just trying to be an idea, man. Lee don't stifle my creativity.
2: (laughs) He's a helper younger. Here's,
1: (laughs) Here's what I'm saying is going back to the original thing. There is nothing wrong with you going into your marriage not knowing what you're doing in this arena. And 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 here's where I want to land on this is the solution to this is practice, which is not bad. Hey for anybody you know it's the talking to each other and you you have sex and then you talk about how did that go and you review everything and well okay well next time we're going to try it like this and then you get to do this again and that's the great thing when you're when you're married you get to you get to try this on you get to spend years and years with this person figuring out what it is that just that that is amazing and wonderful and you develop your own sense of what uh uh uh. Uh, of what you guys want to do together, what, what you love, what you don't, all that kind of stuff. It's an awesome thing. It's not bad. There, there's nothing wrong with being bad at this thing that you've never done before. Right. And I can guarantee you that in the learning process, you are not going to be a disappointment to your husband. I mean, you know, the, it, is, it is not hard to make him uh, very, very glad that he gets to experience this this scenario. So so the thing I, I, w- I would say, don't worry about this, but it, d- it is going to take lots of open and honest communication. Absolutely. Jed?
2: Well, I definitely agree with Lee. Um, I was a virgin when I got married, uh, and uh, it, we've had no problems. So um, I can tell you, at least in my experience, um, I don't think you have anything to be worried about. Certainly, it's not something where... Um, uh, your lack of experience dooms you to some sort of problem. But what you do need, as Lee's saying, is communication. Um, you need to to talk together. You need to, to figure out um, what both of you enjoy. But here's the thing is you would need to do that um, even if you weren't a virgin. Um, exactly. There, right. Yeah. We have these weird ideas in our culture that there's like, you know, there's the sexual compatibility where like some people it's just like kapow. Right. You know, they just, you know, they see each other from across the club. Right. And that's like, hey. And she's all like, hey. Right. And then, like, they're back and barely can make it to the door, back to the place. Clothes are flying everywhere. It's like magic. Yeah. That, that is a fiction. That that, <laughs> that does
3: not exist.
2: Yeah. So, so no. no matter, this is the thing, is that no matter uh, whether you have a ton of sexual experience or not at all, you'd have to figure out what works for the two of you. Right. Either way, so it, it actually doesn't really, really make any difference. I give you two practical things uh, to look at, and again, I can't emphasize enough, Lee is absolutely right. Communication, dude. Um, talk this thing out. That Talk it out during your engagement. Uh, talk it out once you're married. Uh, if you want to have great sex, you, then you need to have great communication. There's no way around that. Um, but just a, a, a couple of quick things that I would build on with that. The first is, um, one of the things to start looking at now is, do you think sex is dirty? Because right. if you do, that will cause a problem. Um, If there's if there's a part of you that thinks maybe this is, you know, we need to, you know, uh, only with the lights off and only for the purposes of procreation, we need to to start solving that problem now. Yeah. Um, And that that might mean talking with a counselor. That might mean talking with a sex therapist. um, That might mean um, uh, 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 spending some time thinking and and, and praying. It might mean all those things. But we need to be clear that within the context of marriage, uh, there's nothing dirty about sex at all. Absolutely, um, it is all good and lovely, and God smiles on every bit of it. As long as it involves the two of you and no one else, right. it's great. Yeah, um, party hard. So that's thing one, and I'm really, really serious here. Um, start looking now. Do you think that sex is dirty? If you do, that will cause a problem. But you can fix that. That right. doesn't. That doesn't have to remain a problem. But but the time to start working on that is right now. Yeah. So so don't delay that. That's that's thing one. Thing two related to that um is uh, you you brought up you know what if your if your husband is disappointed blah 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 uh he won't be um yeah. uh, but uh one of the things that particularly again um you know as you reach you know the end of your engagement and and really really um uh, um uh, once you're married is I'd encourage you guys to talk about oral sex um yeah. and uh, um if you're not comfortable with that being a part of your marriage I'd encourage you to talk out why you're not comfortable um, with that being a part of your marriage. Um, that uh, uh, There are things related to vaginal intercourse that, that can sometimes take a little bit of time to learn, but uh, oral sex tends to be pretty much pleasurable for both people always, no matter what. So uh, it's worth looking at uh, if that's not something you'd become... I'd encourage you to make that a part of your marriage, but if you're, if there's a reason you're not comfortable with it, I encourage you to start talking out why that is. Right. Um, if you've heard some sort of weird teaching that maybe God doesn't like it, uh, now would be the time to bring that up so that that can start being dealt with. And then per uh, vaginal intercourse, you, you asked, you know, what if it hurts too much? Uh, one of the things I'd strongly encourage you to do is go see your OBGYN, um, Uh, start uh, sorting out um, uh, what you need in terms of birth control Um, start sorting out um, uh, just uh, how all your health is but one of the things you'll want to get from your OBGYN is a recommendation on a good lubricant Um, uh, one of the things that uh, Christians seem to not be aware of is uh, that uh, almost all enjoyable sex involves some form of lubrication Um, again if you've We have kind of a weird problem at this point where we have a lot of of kids that are approaching marriage and they have no sexual experience, but they've also watched a lot of porn. And so they have ideas of what sex will be that are not grounded in reality. One of them is that um, even when people are aroused, they almost always need at least some lubricant. So talk to your doctor about what uh, uh, he or she would recommend. Uh, Get on that and then have fun um god means for this to be a fun thing for you for you to enjoy it for you to have a good time with it um uh uh, whatever you know awkwardness you have there at the very very beginning it'll be worth it to kind of get past that um and uh, you'll have a lifetime of payoff on that we wish you all the best with it (laughs) absolutely
3: absolutely glenn yeah and uh, we thank you for the question uh and we we're glad that we can answer these questions because we know uh, uh you know unfortunately uh, a lot of people can't answer ask these questions in other contexts uh and and uh if you've got young kids you might want to uh you know uh shoo them into the other room because this is sort of a pg-13 question seven minutes ago yeah, yeah. it's a <laughs> sorry it's a pg-13 uh, question we want to give it a pg-13 answer uh
0: the questions are in the description. Please read them
3: beforehand. Absolutely, and I I
1: love that I love that the the idea that there are people that are still letting their children listen to this show after a hundred yeah, episodes that would be
3: inadvisable. Um, yeah, but here's the thing: is first of all, sex. Uh, uh, let Let's start with the 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 idea of the mechanics of it are extremely simple. Yeah. Uh, the uh, male and female uh, human body fit together.
2: Would you describe it as a special kind of hug? It's a very special kind
3: of hug if you get the angles just right. And so um, uh, and I, you know, this is actually, you know, a fact that even if you didn't know what to do then, your muscles actually brief uh, contract on reflex to move your hips in and out. If you if you literally didn't know what to do with that, your body would just do it for you. So, uh so, you know, really, we're not talking about something super complicated here. Yeah, They don't call him Dr. Love for no reason, <laughs> yeah. folks. Uh, but what we're really talking about is, what, uh, is having good sex here. That's yeah. And that can be complicated because here's why. If you look at the nerve endings on a human bo- body, it's actually like a fingerprint. It's a little bit different for everyone. So that stuff that one person finds pleasurable, another person would it would be like an oversensitive area or they wouldn't do anything for them at all. They wouldn't have any pleasurable sensation to that. So that's the myth that Jed was talking about, about, you know, the two strangers that are just, they just somehow know how to please each other. It don't work that way. Cause they don't, cause you, you have to learn that, that map, so to speak of what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Um, so part of what we're doing here is learning as Lee said, uh, how do we spoil one another? What you're really looking at here is serving one another.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: And here's how that works. So, and and these guys have said communication, I'm saying communication, but part of it is to take that communication and kind of supersize it, right? Break it down. Okay, so think of it like this. Let's say, for example, again, we'll we'll use sort of a clean example. Let's say that the, the person that you're with says, um. Uh, uh, let's say it's a relationship between a uh, husband and wife, and the wife says, uh, "You know what really helps me is when you give me a foot rub before we do stuff because I relax and I feel really spoiled and things uh, bodily. You know things. Uh, stuff you know. starts happening. Yeah, and I I just I I like that, and it, I get more in the mood." And it's like a really good thing. Well, okay. So you hear that, and so thing number one is you gotta do the foot rub because that's you know now you know what you're supposed to do. But then you what do you, you know you gotta supersize that to make so so that's you know what we're talking about here. We're talking about second on toes.
2: <laughs> oh I'm yeah. I'm
3: sorry. So I, I would like would to s- pull my own red flag out. I, of I this would like one. to say this is. The Jed's favorite podcast moment of all did time. Did you escalate oh, that? Yeah. So I, did.
0: Was your whole answer wow. set up for that moment?
3: <laughs> no. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> it, if you baby
2: girl, I'm about to strip that polish off them toes. See what I'm no. saying? Oh no! It, but here, oh, easy. Here's how
3: this works in, in in real life. Now, let's say you're your 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 lady is at work. She's having a hard day. She calls you on the on the on the phone she says i'm having a hard day whatever you say come home i'll spoil you i'll take care of you whatever i'm you know i'll put on some food to cook and whatever and all this because you're you're trying to communicate again this is about serving one another this is saying Mm. i want Mm -hmm. to take care of you i want to nurture you i want to uh, whatever i want to be there for you and uh you know so and and that and sex is all a part of that so you say you know come home i'll i'll you know do you know and she'll say well uh you know are you gonna rub my feet and you say girl i'm gonna suck them toes (laughs) all right we get it we get it (laughs) and see now that that changes the mood yes it does see what i'm saying? Now, all of a sudden, work wow. isn't that bad. <laughs> See what I mean? We can get through a lot. Yeah. This is what we're talking We're talking about a spiritual breakthrough here. Absolutely right. <laughs> this is what we're trying oh, to go Lord. for in marriage. So that's how we serve Something one another and spoil one another, take care of one another. That's uh, building intimacy and trust, and we can work better as a team. People often ask you know, what would be
0: great is if Glenn <laughs> wrote a book about marriage and dating. <laughs> and you just got an example of why that's never going to happen well, And
3: people often wonder if we uh talk about our answers to the questions beforehand and coordinate them <laughs> and uh, uh matt's horrified face when i said sucking on toes yeah. would amply demonstrate that he had no idea toe yeah, sucking little, was coming a
0: little sick from the holidays on a little bit of nyquil there was. I heard those words. <laughs> I had to make sure I heard those words. I remember that I'm the one responsible for this podcast right. existing, and it was right. a lot to take yeah. in at once.
1: There was a, there was Matt's look of horror. My immediate just shaking the head. Yeah, just, just shaking head. Yeah. And then and and then realizing that you you put us on the ropes by saying I'm gonna use a real yeah. clean example. Yeah. So all of our all, we all had our guard down. Yeah.
3: Right. Right, right. Knowing,
1: knowing the whole time that was just jabbing with the left to get you to drop your hand. That's right. And the whole time you were just setting us up for that unbelievable example. Yeah. And I. All right. Well, let's let's move on to our
0: last question here. See if we get
3: through this quickly. I'm I'm gonna definitely be in trouble for that later. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah you are yeah, there there are reasons that you should be in trouble there for. will be
0: a
3: meeting in the
0: Fitzgerald <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: household. definitely
0: When this episode comes out let's move it along our last question comes in anonymously to our tumblr inbox also folks let me just remind you after that last question you can always submit questions anonymously you may <laughs> want to do that <laughs> some things happen to this show you don't want your name involved in all right came to, anonymous to our tumblr inbox it says my atheist friends all respect my faith But they see it as exclusively mine. Often I get comments that they just weren't born to have the kind of faith I have, or imply that I am a Christian because I was raised in the church. One friend asked me point blank, why is it that you have faith and I don't? I want to, but I just can't seem to believe. How do I respond to statements like this?
2: Jed? Well, it's a great question, and we really appreciate you writing in. Um... I think there's a couple things going on here. Uh, One of them, you know, my friend asked me, why is it that you have faith and, and I don't? I want to, but I just can't seem to believe. I wonder if we're looking at faith and belief so much as emotion. Um, you you have you know you seem to have a lot of emotions connected with religious stuff, and and I don't really because I didn't really come up around it, and um I kind of I am trying to gin up some emotions in myself, and it's seeming to not work, and um, I'm wondering what the deal is. Let, let me break this down further. Um, everyone uses faith all the time in their life. Um, when when you get into a taxi cab. You're doing that in the faith that it's not being driven by a maniac. Um, w- <laughs> when you uh, get onto the subway or you get onto the, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, the L here in Chicago, you're doing that in the faith that it will not uh, uh, crash at high speed into some sort of uh, obstacle. Uh, you don't have any proof that that's the case, but you're you're exercising faith that it is. And the thing about it is, your faith is such that um you don't really have a lot of of feelings about it you've just you've looked at it and you've said i, I think that's trustworthy i think i'm i think i'm going to go with that well the funny thing is that that's faith um as much as as you know any other sort of belief is but i don't think we tend to think of it that way when it when it comes to um when it comes to religious faith, when it comes to belief in something spiritual, I think we have a way of saying it's, you know, you either just get it or you don't. You know, you can, you can either just, you can hear the music, man, or you can't. And I, I don't think that's, that's actually true. You know, when we look at the, at the Bible, Paul says that creation itself actually is a testament to God. That we we see echoes of God in His existence and His character, kind of everywhere we go. That that those things are unavoidable. And I think your your friends see all those same things. Here's my guess. My guess is that they actually probably have a bit more faith than what they think they do. Um, I think they have a lot of resistance to organized religion. And and that's probably justified. Um, they, they probably have a, a lot of stuff that they look at, um, you know, related to the, the things the church has done in history, and really don't like it. And they're not wrong to feel that way. But if they truly just it just wasn't an issue for them, They just there's just nothing there. I don't think you guys would be having this conversation. Uh, let, let me put it to you this way: uh, We're all from the South, and so we all have crazy relatives, and we all have relatives that believe in Bigfoot. Um, and uh, I don't go to my relatives that believe in Bigfoot and say, "Man, it must be really great believing in Bigfoot." I, I really wish. Yeah. I wish I could believe in Bigfoot the way you do. Right. Because um, here's the thing: I really don't believe in Bigfoot like it all
3: and, and so you don't struggle with your lack of belief
2: i don't you? struggle with my. not only do i not believe in bigfoot i don't i don't care about bigfoot look you were born believing in ufos but for me that's a real struggle that's what i'm talking about it's just it and i'm i'm serious i say we we all all of us have relatives that believe devoutly in bigfoot uh this is this is not a joke my grandmother le- leaves out food for bigfoot <laughs> that is not a joke now have you ever gone to grandma say Fact. I think it's so great the way that you just believe in Bigfoot, and I just wish I could be more like you. In no, that. <laughs>
3: no. If, Not at all.
2: If people are coming to you and they're and they're saying, you know, I, you know I, I think your faith is great and I just, you know, I've tried to be more like you, but I just feel like I can't pull it off. The, the thing is, uh, they, they do have some faith. They've got some obstacles that are in the way. They've got some things that are um, uh, holding them up. And those may be, uh, you know, related to the way that religious people have treated them or people that they love. Um, that may be to do with the fact that when they turn on the television, they see religious people behaving in terrible, terrible ways, constantly without ceasing, as though they were trying to behave in terrible ways Um, but if they are if they feel a sense of, man, I just you know, I wish I could be more like you they've actually got a lot more going on in the faith department than they think they do. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I think what's before you, if it were me, is to try and give them a safe place to figure out what the holdup really is. Because I don't think it's so much really about can I believe in God. It's almost certainly got more to do with can I possibly consider being a Christian when so many Christians just piss me off. Right. That's the real holdup for most right. people, if yeah. we're gonna be honest about it. And if you create a safe space for them to talk about that, to talk about all the stuff that Christians do that bothers them, all the stuff that religious people do that makes them not want to believe in a God, if they start talking that out, they're gonna not only are they gonna realize that that's what's holding them up, they're gonna start getting some momentum going on. And I think you'll see some real progress there. Amen. And
1: not only that, but some of them have a point. Oh I yes. Mean, you know, and and, and and for you to acknowledge you got a real point about that. I mean, that, that that can totally flip the way that they see the whole thing. Absolutely.
0: That's an excellent point. All right, I shudder to say this, but
3: Glenn, what do you have to say? Well, I, I have a number of inappropriate things to say, but I'm holding those inside. Why don't
0: we skip that part and just go to the advice? Are you yeah. going to keep
3: it clean? Yeah, I'm going to keep it clean. Okay. You didn't even have the puppet. I've been burned before on (laughs) Glenn promising to keep it clean. Yeah, here's the thing. I agree exactly with what Jed's saying. Look, uh, uh, fundamentally, I believe this that the Holy Spirit is drawing everyone to himself all the time. And that on some level, people feel that pull. So when people say, I don't know, I'm an atheist, I don't know it, it always has that element of your tr- Who are you trying to convince? Yeah. You know, there's just a lot of that. Uh, and the, the more devoutly and, and, and intensely atheistic they are, the more you're sure they're wrestling with some, something that's pulling in uh, at their, at their spirit. So on some level there is some sort of belief. When I talk to people, I don't care you know, whatever they're saying, I'm always assuming there is that pull that they're feeling. The next thing, when we're talking about faith, when I am talking to people outside the faith about my beliefs and my faith in God, I want to make it clear. I've had the same doubts you have. The difference is I've worked through them. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I decided to ignore them. It's not that I haven't had them. I've dealt with them. I've wrestled with it. I have, I have, uh, whatever. So what I'm implying with that is the difference between me and you is not so much faith. It's working through the doubts. It's, it's, it's not that I was raised with less doubts or I'm a less doubting person. Uh, I've doubted everything I currently believe. Uh, and I've worked through those doubts. That's how I came to a point of belief. I, d- I doubt more than, than, uh, uh, you know, anybody else out there. Uh, that's how I, you know get where i'm going and i totally agree with what jed's saying here this this phrase i can't seem to believe uh that's uh saying i can't bring myself to be associated with these people
2: yeah and it, that's not how belief works exactly dude. right i
3: it, yeah and and that is a, a let's be honest here and and i'm i'm making the same point jed is here uh christians bless us have a way of the the, the most clueless person coming forward and getting on the mic and embarrassing the snot out of all of us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I Yep. If there's a way to fix that, y'all let me know. But holy cow. And
2: Just in, on the wrong side of everything. Yeah,
3: dude. I mean, you know, so uh, for sure, uh, it, the, there's an identity element to that, and that's part of your outreach is saying, I'm not asking you to be a Christian like any other Christian you've ever seen. If you want to take that bible and live that out in a way that's unique to you and god that's great as long as you're not filling in the gaps as long as you're not kind of uh, making up your own stuff then you know uh, however that takes shape then that's whatever it needs to be Um, finally we want to make the point that uh, faith actually comes from god Uh, that is to say that i don't just generate faith in and of myself it's not something that um, uh, you know that I just create out of uh, thin air. Uh, faith is something I receive from God. I go to God and say, "Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm. I need your uh, faith. I need your, your, uh, your Holy Spirit to give me an ability to have faith in you." So that's what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about having faith. Absolutely,
1: Lee. Well, I agree with everything that these guys are saying on this, obviously, and the only. The only thing I would tack on to the end of this, which has been, you know, hinted at, alluded to, is just that, that when it comes to people outside of the faith, or it comes to talking to people outside of the faith, the right response is nowhere near as important as showing the right kind of love. Um, the I love that place in, uh, there's a place in Colossians chapter 4, when Paul talks about, he says... Um, he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. And that's the thing is that whatever you have to say, it's not always just the perfect response or the way that you, you say something about, about Jesus that somebody has never heard of before. And it's so brilliant and so amazing that it closes all the gaps, closes all the loopholes. And they're like, okay, now I'm on board. More often than that, it it's it's what Jed's talking about that is somebody is on the edge of wanting to wanting to believe in Jesus, uh, in, in in spite of the fact that a, a lot of the Christians that they've dealt with have been jerks or have been impossible or whatever, and then you show them somebody who loves Jesus, who loves them in a way that nobody else ever has, who serves them, who takes care of them, who puts other people above themselves, who's willing to sacrifice for people, who's willing to, who who feels a burden and cares about people and loves people that nobody else cares about or sees or loves or notices – when you show the kind of love that, uh, that that shows them what Jesus is like more than a great response can, then you're going to set the time bomb for them to uh, to really want to know Jesus just because of the love that you've shown them. And that's what we really have to offer, not, not the best answers or anything th- like that, but we have to offer the kind of love that's been born in our hearts uh, because we know Christ, uh, that, that the world hasn't seen. And, and to be frank, they haven't seen it from Christians in ways that they should have, as Glenn is saying. But we can be the difference maker there. We can, we can be the ones who change the tide on that. So I think it you know, a lot of this has to do with just being the person day in and day out over the course of maybe years, who knows, 10, 15 years, who just loves them in a way that nobody else does absolutely all right if you have a
0: question for us you can get us at say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge com. remember, you can still get a free copy of the August 2013 Bridgebox missionusa.com slash say that 100 that's say that and then the numbers 100. If you like that and you want to sign up for Bridgebox to get that every month, lots of cool stuff from all of us, only $8 a month, which goes to support the mission, the work we do here in Chicago, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Remember, we love you. God loves you.
3: There's nothing you can do about it. Say that, the podcast that sucks on the toes of your soul. (laughs) (laughs) ha ha
0: ha